0: with we'll you
1: Let's turn tonight to the book of Revelation, if you would, chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. I love the book of Revelation, and I know it's, um, for many people, it's a hard book to understand. And um, to be honest, many people see no significance in trying to understand it. But I believe that God has given a special class of people an understanding to be able to comprehend the meanings of what things are there. And when we read this, keep in mind all of us, of course, not being prophets. And for us to read this from lay people's perspective... It would seem so odd, unusual, different, the words that we're going to read. For a prophet that saw many, many visions the way that John did, it would have been not quite as unusual. But still, it must have been so different when he went to see all this. And he needed the Lord to help him to understand it because he couldn't understand it either. Let's begin with verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth. And as she reaches whoever this woman is, Reaches the category of great and small. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So she goes from the great preeminent leaders of the earth. To the people that are just the low everyday average people. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. Now again, imagine how unusual, how a freak we would say that this would have appeared when you're looking with your eyes open, a vision, your eyes aren't closed, it's not a dream. And you're looking and you see a woman and she's sitting on this beast and has a bunch of names written on her forehead and the significant colors that the beast has. She also wears the same colors that is on the beast. And then she sees heads and sees horns. It must have been a very, very striking thing. But I believe God has promised, especially in the end time, that there would be a people on the earth that would not only understand these things, but desire to understand them. Yeah. We're gonna pray and ask the Lord to help us tonight in his word. How many of you would like to be remembered before the Lord? You've got a need in your home, your body. <clears throat> I'd like you to remember both of my daughters, if you would, at is dealing with an infection in her body. And, uh, since Erica has taken that um, Y90 treatment, as they call it, it's made her really fatigued and tired, so we just appreciate it if you'd uh, remember both of them tonight. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're so happy to be able to be gathered together again here tonight. We thank you, Lord, that your presence is so among your children. We don't know how we would make it, Lord Jesus, without you being here in our lives. And I know one thing for sure. I do not want to be left on this earth when the bride is taken away. Because we know when the bride is taken, the Spirit of God will be lifted from the earth. Lord God, may there not be a one of us here tonight that will be left here when the rapture goes. May we be ready. May our lamps be trimmed and burning. May we be filled with the Holy Ghost. Every fiber of our being so charged with the presence of God. May we get in the spirit of the bride call for the last day. Help us that we'll be sensitive to anything that would try to pull us away out of your will. Lord, you saw the needs of the hands that were uplifted, signifying a need or many needs. We pray that you'd be mindful of each one. Heal the sick, bring deliverance, set the captive free. Anoint us tonight as we sit in your great August presence, as we endeavor to break the bread of life, as we endeavor to look at where we are in this great end time. Help us tonight, Father, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it. And the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. I'd like to read to you from, uh, as we start this tonight, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the ones that Brother Branham preached in 1960. And he says, the book of Revelation has more symbols in it than all the rest of the books of the Bible. More symbols than all the rest of the books of the Bible. It has more symbols because it is a book of prophecy. It's a prophetic book. Now if it's a book of prophecy, a prophetic book, it will not be understood from a theological perspective. It can't be. It's written on purpose and God gave it this way that it would be understood by a special class of people. Notice he says therefore it has to be understood by a prophetic class, a prophetic class. This book is not meant for everybody. You realize how blessed you are? This book is not meant for everybody. There's nobody can understand it hardly. This book is made for a certain class of people. Over in Deuteronomy, it says the hidden things belong to the Lord, but he says he reveals it. To his children. The carnal mind cannot comprehend them great things of the scripture. Because it's foolish to them. It's foolish to them. But to the ones who are lovers of the word of God. That's who the book was written to. The church. Now it makes sense then why that for decades, for centuries for millennia, actually, that many people, they believe that the book of Revelation had a significance, of course. They believe that truly God must have given it to John, but they didn't really understand why, and saw no great significance for themselves or the people that they preached to. Now, it's been certainly been probed at and looked at by theologians and Myself, I've read different what different men had to say and it's quite astounding to see the difference of opinions and the difference of ideas that will go with all of these symbols and all of these meanings. And you can see again why that we needed a prophet in the last days that would come and be able to open it up to a special class. Now, I don't want to offend you right off, but I realized many years ago, that even everybody that says they believe this message are not a prophetic class of people. They sit around it, they hear it, they, they see things about it that is actually better than any other place where they've ever been and the different religions that they've tried, but it just doesn't do for them what it does for the elect. And of course it cannot. And then there's other people that they read it and they look at it and there's something inside of them. They hunger to know more about it. And they believe that every word has a significance. Every symbol has a spiritual meaning. Now they realize they may not understand everything that's in there. But their desire is to understand everything that God has given for them to understand. I'll never understand what a lot of great men understand, but you know what? I I love the quote that Brother Random gives us in souls in prison now when he prays, and he said, Father, I pray you would help each man, woman, boy, and girl to be able to understand in the capacity that they're ordained to understand in." I really like that myself because that helps me to realize I'll never understand what Brother Branham did, what Paul did, maybe what Peter did, what Brother Tim Pruitt, other brothers that we would say, my, what a great understanding they have of the Word. But I do want to understand everything God wants me to understand. Now, I know there's an element of people that really don't want to be brought out of their comfort zone. They want to know about salvation. They want to know a little bit about sanctification, a little bit about the Holy Ghost, a little bit about some of the things of the end time. But they really don't want a preacher that preaches too far above where they are because it moves and uh, you know just kind of upsets their mind. It upsets their thinking. So a lot of people would rather have a preacher that preached where they live. As a matter of fact, somebody told me that not long ago. They was talking to me about their pastor, and they said that their pastor and them were on the same level. Well, I just couldn't help myself, and I just asked the individual, "So how do you ever expect to grow by setting under that kind of a man? Yeah. If your pastor and you are on the same spiritual level, that means you ain't going to go no higher than he is. So if he's still on just salvation and you know, the basic fundamentals of the gospel, guess what? You and him both are gonna be left during the tribulation period. Because it's going to take more than just preaching salvation. If not, every denominational church would be right there with us with their bobbed hair, their cigars in one hand, their cigarettes in another, and their, their makeup and all that in their purse. Well, well, because they preach the cross and they preach the blood. But we know that there are a group of people, there's always been. We can see those degrees reflected even in the Old Testament. We can see the Saul type. And he was just a man that he talked about God, but he saw real no significance in obeying everything that God told him to do. If God would send the prophet to him and tell him, I want you to go up, I want you to kill the Amalekites, leave no men, no women, no children, no babies, I want you to kill them all. Well, he really didn't see a significance in doing all of that to the latter. So he went and killed a bunch of them. He brought the king back. He brought cattle back. He brought all these things back. Well, you know, and then the man looked at it. Whenever the prophet came, he said, I've done exactly what God told me to do. I find that so amazing that people can look at what God's word says and they pick out what they want and they fulfill, say, 50% of that and 50% they leave out and they tell God, I've done everything you told me to do. Really? Wow. Well, I'm glad I don't have a 50% capacity. If God tells me 10 things to do, I want to do all 10. I don't want to do three of them and tell God, I've done everything you told me to do. Now, maybe I'm weird. I know y'all think I am anyway. But I believe my obedience to the word of God will get me out of this world one of these days. I don't figure 50% is going to make rapture quality people. Do you? Do you? I, I don't figure, no, 99 and a half just won't do. I'm striving to make 100, and I know I'm not the only one. Now, let us move in, into this, into the book of Revelation if we can. I believe that we are the people of the last day. We are the last actors on the scene as it was of the father's drama. I was dealing with it um, uh, the other night for the young people and how that God had anointed Paul and Paul used it in the form of a drama and he said that we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses and he said then therefore let us lay aside every weight and every sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us and Paul takes that from the setting of the Roman Colosseum that the the actors would get out, and whether it was a gladiator, whether they was fighting with men or with beasts, and there would be thousands and thousands of people setting up in the bleachers all around, in the great amphitheaters of Rome. Now, I've stood in some of those amphitheaters, stood in a few of them a couple years ago, and the way they were designed, they didn't have to have a PA system. But the, the stage would be in a certain spot and they would take the building of the stone and they picked a certain stone and they would build them in levels, sort of like our mezzanine and our new building. And because of the design and the acoustic value of the way they made it, they could stand right there and you ought to hear the singing that we had done as the saints of God standing in those Colosseums. And they designed it so that you could stand in a place like this and people would be way out there tens of thousands, and they never had to have a microphone, they never had to have a loud speaker, and they'd be able to hear the words that you said. And Paul shows that setting that we were like the actors in the father's drama, and the people that had gone on were the ones that was looking at us. So if you can imagine, Paul, Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all of those great saints of God have went on. And now we are the actors on the scene. Men, women, children, all of us. And they are now, we could only hear them. They are encouraging us to keep pressing the battle. Keep going on. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. But do everything you can to press in the battle. So Paul lived out his day. But Paul lived in a day prior to the revelation of the entire revealing of the book of Revelation. Now, remember, the book of Revelation was not even written. Peter never picked it up and read it. Paul never read the book of Revelation. The rest of the apostles, except for John, never read the book of Revelation. Now, you say, why, Brother Donnie? It's because it was not given for their age. So they acted out that part of the Father's drama. So here it is, 96 A.D., whenever John writes it on the Isle of Patmos. And then whenever he comes back, they go to slipping it in now into the hands of the believers. And it's being replicated and sent out among the people of God. You imagine they must have been so overwhelmed when they got these little excerpts of the book of Revelation. And all they knew to do was just write down what John said. Now, John, of course, was the only one of the original apostles that actually died a natural death. And he lived up into his 90s. And John, they say, got so old that he couldn't preach. And they would just bring him to church. Oh, I love that. Even when you get so old that you can't already go, you still want to come to the house of God. And John got so old, Brother Jack, that he couldn't preach no more. But they would bring him in and just lay him out on a little cot. And they'd just gather around John, the last one of the apostles that was alive. And they would just gather around. Can you imagine being there and, and uh, being able to shake hands with a man like that and knowing that that he had walked with the Lord Jesus and the great experiences that he had. And John would just kind of raise up his hands, they say, and he would just tell them over and over again, love one another, little children. Just love one another, little children. How it must have been for the men of God in that day. And they would come around John and they said, Now, Brother John, what, what was this symbol here about the horns? And what was the crowns? And, and what was the heads? you would have been something to sitting there at the feet of those men hearing that word as it was being taught. Now then there came a lapse after that original outpouring of the Holy Ghost and we know that it come up through the first church age and it said come on down by the second generation and the third and by the time it comes into the time of the 300s when Constantine had come in and Constantine made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. Now up to the other uh, Roman uh, leaders that had been there and they had persecuted the first six and then the ones that had come thereafter. after, for many of them, the last one being Dominican, and by the time it come to them, they were killing the Christians, they were being hunted down, their heads of course were removed from their bodies but Constantine having a dream or a vision and seeing a cross and he saw as it were that this would be the way that he would conquer And then he made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. Well, now, then it turns into an aspect to where if you're not a Christian, many of them will try to kill you. Now, we know that is not real Christianity. Is that right? Now for those of you that know the history of the Islamic religion, you realize that they even to this day have a chip on their shoulder. And you you can't blame it looking at it historically because they tried to identify the crusaders with the true Christians. The crusaders were not Holy Ghost filled children of God. They were Romans under a demonic symbol, a demonic anointing, and Satan was the one who did it to be able to bring a reproach upon the very cause of Jesus Christ. God never called his children to go out and cut people's heads off. He never called none of his children to go out and become crusaders and build fortresses and castles and all that sort of thing. And you can see why to this day they have a real problem with Christians. Well, they ought to meet some real ones and that might help redeem them from that attitude. Is that right? Because we are not a part of that original thing that Constantine did. Is that right? That is not our founding fathers. That is not who we are. And let me tell you plain right out tonight. That is not who I want to be identified with then nor now. Praise the Lord. So this is going to be now something that will have its emphasis from the time that John began. Because remember now John, he already writes about it in Paul. He began to prophetically understand it in 2 Thessalonians and also in Timothy and also in the book of Titus. And he began to write to them that something was going to come in the last days. It was going to be a great power. He didn't know exactly what to call it. He only called it as God gave him. And he called it the man of sin and the son of perdition. But when John saw it on the Isle of Patmos, he saw it in the feminist gender. Now, if you'll notice that Paul, when he wrote about it, he was writing about it still in its masculine form. But when John writes about it, he sees it in the advanced stage that it is no longer just a man of sin. It is not just the son of perdition, but John sees it as a woman. So it has now changed its stage into a woman. Now watch him when he sees this. Let's go back to verse 3. So he carried me on the way in the Spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman... Set upon a scarlet colored beast. Now remember colors in the Bible have a symbol. So he sees this woman on a scarlet colored beast. And a beast means a power. Full of names of blasphemy. Having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet. Now the beast itself was scarlet but no purple. But then John looks at the beast and he notices the symbolism in the beast and then he looks at the woman and he sees that the woman has a mixture of the color that is on the beast but she also has another color as well. So she has both purple and scarlet and she was decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. So, I want you to notice now that even in the Old Testament, that colors had a significance. But by the time John arrives, it has a great significance. Notice the prophet says that this one, the Pergamon church age, it detects royalty. I mean, royal. It means like royalty, like kings, and so forth. So here the purple and the scarlet had a significance of royalty. Now unlike our dyes and the colors of our clothes today, you want a purple sweater, some here tonight got on purple, pretty common color. It's not a color of royalty so much now. But then it came only from the uh, sycloculus, which was a little female insect, which was in this part of the Mediterranean. They were very, very rare, and you could only get maybe one drop out of one little insect. You can imagine it would have taken hundreds of these insects in order to get the dye that would make it. It also come from a mollusk out of the Mediterranean Sea. One of them would lean toward a purple. The other would lean toward a scarlet. And only the real wealthy rich people, royal people, or rich prostitutes. The rich, the wealthy, and rich prostitutes wore this color. So, whenever you would see a king or a queen or a potentate, then their collar told you who they were. But there was also the same resemblance in the wealthy prostitutes and they did this as a symbol of their wealth but they also did it as a symbol of an advertisement of their occupation so you looked at them at this collar and you knew what they were oh my goodness So for John, he looks and he sees this woman, and she has on purple, and she has on scarlet. Now, would you notice that John does not define this woman as being dressed in modest apparel. She is not a daughter of God. She is not a symbol of the church of the living God. But she's dressed in something that is very royal. Something that is depicting a woman who wants to forecast and tell who she is. I want you to notice also in the jewelry that she wears. That John says when he saw her that she was decked. Now she did not have on simple jewelry. But she was actually decked with this decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Now notice the prophet, goes on to say that the seven heads are the seven mountains on which the city sits. And the woman is a city. And the woman was arrayed in purple and the beast, he says, was in the scarlet. Now haven't I warned you? There are three curtains. And remember, I've told you many years ago, watch Russia. Now, if you know anything about the time frame that the prophet says this, it was called USSR. But I don't know if you've ever done an in-depth study on it or not. He never uses those letters to describe it. But he always refers To Russia. Watch Russia. Probably most of you have been watching Russia more in the last four or five months than you have in years of your life. Is that right? It's in the news every day. Every day you look at it, you pull it up on YouTube or wherever you get your news is, and you see Russia done this. Russia said that. Putin said this. Putin's gonna got the doomsday this and that and the other. It's every day. I'm so glad I believe in a rapture. I'm so glad that I believe in an elect of God. It would be really discouraging to be able to look at it. Once you realize and you do a little research and studying at, at the over 5,000 nuclear war heads that Russia has, they outdo America, some of them are hypersonic, we absolutely have no hypersonic thing, nothing is publicly known anyway, we actually tested one year a few months ago, and it landed out in the water, went completely down, totally lost the whole thing, Russia has the ability to send from itself, from Russia's coast, and be able to go all the way to the South Pole and divert around our radar, go plumb to the south pole, come around on the other side of the earth, moving faster than the speed of sound, and be able to move into our airspace faster than we can ever do it. Thirty minutes, it can cover the entire expanse of the earth. Oh, Brother Donnie, that scares me to death. Well, you need the Holy Ghost then. Because if you got the Holy Ghost, you realize if they send out a whole busload of them things, we're going to be gone before one of them ever hits the earth. Is that right? Absolutely. That's what we believe. But notice for those that are left here, it's going to be a terrible time. Now the prophet said, as I've told you many years ago, I said, watch Russia. There's three curtains, he says. Remember this. There's the iron curtain. There's the bamboo curtain. Red China, red China, and there's the purple curtain. And you watch that curtain, that's the deceiver. So there's the iron curtain, communism. There's the bamboo curtain, which is China. We know that China was nothing in this year, 1960, when he said this, compared to what it is right now. China would not have to basically destroy us by sending us a bomb. All they got to do is stop all the stuff we get from them. We'd all starve to death and be naked. We wouldn't have no antibiotics. We wouldn't have no medication. Probably everybody here tonight, nearly everything you got on was made over there. Everything we see probably in this building for the most part is made over there. Made in America. What's that? Made in the USA? What's that? you got to be kidding me. You mean there's things still made here? I didn't know we knew how to make anything but a mess. Now <laughs> We are good at doing that. But you know what? If they ever want to, they can do all this. And yet look at Russia and Iran and China. And look what bedfellows they have made in the last couple of months. And who are they all against? The great Satan, which is America. Is that right? And yet we know that God will never allow them to do one thing as long as the bride is still here on the earth. That's right. Now, the true purple and scarlet was that reflective color to identify a position. Now, it was also, as I said, used by the prostitutes. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. But her outward show would be able to resemble her wealth. Now, it may seem quite unusual. But notice this in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 30. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And she painted her face. Oh, my goodness. Wow, you mean modern American Mary Kay and all the rest of them wasn't the first one to come up and paint. No, Uh, but Jezebel painted her face. I want you to notice why Jezebel painted her face. It was because she heard a man of God was coming to town. Now, Jehu truly was a man of God, and he came to Jezreel, and Jezebel heard of it. And she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. I love the way Brother Ram deals with this. She said, whenever he come down there, little Miss Jezebel, she thought, well, I'm a vamp anyhow. I'm a vamp, anyhow. And she said, You know, I'm all pretty. And she goes over there and gets her makeup kit. And you know, she begins to fix her face up with all of that makeup and stuff. I've seen a woman do that in the restaurant and then take a piece of a paper napkin and bite on that. It put me in the mind of a a mad dog trying to bite a stick. (laughs) Don't you love that theology? So a woman is sitting in a restaurant, apparently she puts her lipstick on and she's trying to get the excess, I suppose, is what she's doing all. And Brother Branham sits there and looks at her and he says, that reminds me of a mad dog biting a stick. Oh my, and she fixed herself all up and she manicured, you know, how she's supposed to be and she thought she was so pretty and here she come all strutting out and with that type of a dress on and she looked out the window. Now here she comes and she looks out the window and she identifies herself as a vamp, whatever that is. Must not have been good. Only thing I know about a vamp is vampires. I'm not sure if he's trying to be one of them or what. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace, who slew his master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And they looked out to him, two or three eunuchs, and he said, Throw her down. Now remember, Jezebel is the queen. The prophet Elijah said, The dogs will lick your blood, Ahab. Because you have took the inheritance of Naboth. And the dogs will lick the blood of Jezebel. Oh my goodness. It ain't no wonder Brother Branham got so anointed talking about Jezebel. It's that spirit of Elijah on him. And he said, throw her down. So they threw her down. And some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. And he trod her underfoot. That's why Brother Ram said, women to paint her face and look like a Jezebel when you see them on the street, say, Good morning, Miss Dogmeat. hmm Yeah. Why? The dog's eater, except for the palms of her hands and her feet. And you know what Jehu did when he got done? You imagine a man of God riding his horse and trampling over this woman and tearing her to pieces? And he gets off the horse and goes in and eats dinner. Read your Bible. We better off spend more time in your Bible instead of on Facebook. Hearing a lot of gossip and a lot of trash, which ain't gonna do you no good. So he's sitting there at the table and finishes dinner. I said, Boy, that's a good lunch. Now, what is there next to do left in this city? So I said, you know what? Jezebel, she was a king's daughter, so maybe we ought to bury her. So they went out there to bury her, and they found the palms of her hands and her feet. What happened to her? The dogs ate her. Now, there is a reason that God calls this woman in the book of Revelation A Jezebel, I have somewhat against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants and talk them into doing things that ain't right. Now, notice in Jeremiah chapter four, verse 30. And when thou art spoiled, what wilt thou do? Now, here God is speaking to the children of Israel. Though thou closest thyself with crimson, Again, scarlet or purple. Though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, though thou rentest thy face with painting, pre Mary Cain, pre maybelline Though thou makest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou makest thyself fair, thy lovers will despise thee, they will seek thy life. And the word painting here, I thought it was just really something when I looked it up. Now, of course, the Old Testament is a Hebrew word, and it's spelled P-U-W-K, puke. I thought, well, glory. Don't tell me God ain't got a sense of humor. That's the Hebrew word for painting. Uh-huh, I'm sorry you didn't know that. And the meaning of the word is to paint. Antimony, which was a black pencil, also the word stibulum, black paint, eye cosmetics. Oh, sweet Jesus going to keep on. You're going to get me killed, sir. Now, you see, God had brought Israel out and had sanctified them. You can find him laying out the allegory of this in Ezekiel 16. And he said, I passed by thee, and I found thee in thy blood. Uh, Thy father did not do this, and thy mother did not do that. Thou wast not washed. So God actually likens Israel coming out of the land of Egypt to a newborn baby. And that baby was found by God on the side of the road. And the navel cord was still attached to the baby. And the custom was that they would wash the baby with water. And then they would actually take a saline solution, which was salt and water mixed together. And they would rub the baby down and get the afterbirths off of the baby. And God said, man, I found you. The navel cord was still attached. When I found you, nobody washed you, so you had blood all over you and blood in your eyes and blood in your face, and you couldn't breathe right. And no one had salted you or suppled you, but I found you, and I, I nurtured you, and I took you as my own, and then what did I do? I, I shod you, and I, I gave you, you know, all the blessings, and, and then God said, you growed up. And your hair began to grow out. Now what God did? God found when they were a baby and they were totally helpless. And they grew and God nurtured them. And then when they got strong and got bigger, then they got to a spot, I don't even need God no more in my life. I can do this and I can do that and I can do whatever more. I don't even need God. Then God said, when you got to the marriageable age, when it was time for me to marry you, you started flirting around with all the rest of these heathen gods and you played whoredom against me. You haven't read the book of Ezekiel well, a while. Do you good to read it? And God said, I passed by and I found thee in thy blood. And I said, yea, live. I say, live. And thy blood stopped. Now, of course, the God saying that he found them and he nurtured them and he raised them and God raised them as a child with tender love and then when God got ready to marry them, what did Satan do? Satan beat God to them as he beat Adam to Eve as he tried to beat Abraham to Sarah, as he tried to beat Jesus to his bride, as he's gonna to try to do Jesus and his bride in the last days, but he come down in a secret coming by the opening of the seven seals and pregnated his bride and the womb was already closed. And that's why the devil ain't got no hope of ever getting that true bride. No, sir, brother. The Lord Jesus come in a secret coming of Luke 17 and a Revelation 10 coming. That's why they don't understand the coming of the Lord. But it was a secret advent of the Lord coming down in his presence to make himself known Why he was Romeo. And he slid up his 7 seal ladder up on the bride's window and kept knocking, knocking, knocking till the bride come open. And whenever he opened it she invited him in and her and the Lord Jesus got married in an invisible union. Hallelujah! They got married together and he pregnated her by his own life and sealed her womb for eternity. Glory (laughs) to God! The devil can't get the bride. The devil cannot get the bride. So God has a woman. Satan has one. Now notice her in verse Revelation chapter 17 verse 4 again. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. And the word decked is to adorn with gold, to gild, G-I-L-D, of a woman ornamented with gold so profusely that she seems to be gilded. In other words, in Kentucky language, when they asked Brother Branham about wearing a simple necklace or a bracelet, he said, don't look like you had a magnet on and went through the dime store with a magnet on. (laughs) Our sisters don't want to look like they're gilded. In other words, gold-covered, or nickel-covered, or silver, or pearl, or pink, or purple, or whatever more. Well, glory to God. Well, if some of y'all know that I was gonna preach this, you'd stay at home with a little cough, wouldn't you? (laughs) I'm on a stream. (laughs) Well, I may not be able to see your face when you're home streaming how it turns red, but the Lord will still get your number. Whether you're at home or whether you're at church, if you're his, he's gonna get you. Now notice this has a significance. I know people think, what difference does it make? What's your dress or if you have makeup or this? What difference does it make? God used these symbols to point out to John in a vision that it makes a world of difference. Now, if makeup is okay, then surely Brother Branham would have seen some of them women beyond the curtain of time with makeup on. And yet he didn't see one. Wow, praise the Lord. And he didn't see one of them women there with any breeches on. And not one of them had bob hair. Wow, well if heaven don't consist of bob hair, then how can you get there with it? Go ahead and preach, Brother Donnie. Amen, Brother Donnie. Praise the Lord, Brother Donnie. Go ahead, Brother Donnie. So the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. Now, remember, this is not only a sign of royalty, but it was a sign of wealthy prostitutes. And they would use this to be able to seduce men. Mama. Decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup. Now, this was displaying her vast wealth, how much she had and what she was worth. Oh, yeah, they're trying to say, they ain't really got that much no more. Don't you believe them lies? We don't know what prophecy holds for us in the last days and who's going to be able to get us out of debt. Of course, even the Catholic Church might be sweating bullets the way Biden's going right now. I'll tell you, they're probably thinking, Woo, I'm not sure we can even take care of all this debt. You see, she wanted to bedazzle. She wanted to overwhelm. She wanted to use these things to denote her wealth and her significance and her value. But she also wanted to use it as seduction. Mm -hmm. Having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Notice a parallel to this in Jeremiah 51. Now this is the natural Babylon of the Old Testament. Flee out of the midst of Babylon and deliver every man his soul. Now watch the parallel to this of the city and the kingdom of Babylon. And now God is going to annotate this in the New Testament. Flee out of the midst of Babylon. Don't you understand that's what the message of the hour did for us and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will render unto her a recompense. Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore the nations are mad. Babylon is certainly suddenly fallen and destroyed. How for her? Take balm for her pain. If so, maybe she may be healed. Now, if you don't understand this historically, that prostitutes would actually mix up potions and give to the men that would come to call on them. They would mix up potions to get these men drunk so it would enhance their desire for the prostitute to make her so irresistible that they could not stand it. Don't you understand if you're sitting here tonight and God has broke the power of the love potion of organized religion? Don't you understand why that is so overwhelming to so many of the inhabitants of the earth? And they look at it and it's like they cannot turn it down. They cannot say no to organized religion. It just overwhelms them. And it appeals to them in such a way when real genuine Bible Christianity, they look at it so, that repulses me. I could not let my hair grow out like that. I could not look that way. I could not dress that way. But they look over at the other and it just pours out all of. Of this abomination of their filthiness and all of their worldliness, and this I just can't stay away from it. I can't do it. You're so blessed tonight. You're so blessed because by our natural nature, don't you understand that naturally we are drawn to the fornication of such an organized religion. We are drawn to the fornication and the putrefaction of such ideology that the Spirit of God has set us free. And instead of us getting drunk on her wine, we're drunk on the stimulation of revelation by the Holy Ghost. We're not drunk on fornication. We're drunk on the baptism of the Spirit of God. Some of you that have been in those systems, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And when you was there, there was something about it that was so appealing and so soothing. And it seemed to whisper a lullaby, a false sense of security that you're okay, it's fine, it's okay. But one day, all of a sudden, a good old sober spell hits you. It's a baptism of the Spirit of God got a hold of you. And you begin to look in that cup and you realize, that's going to take me to hell. If I keep drinking this, why do I wait till I get to the bottom of the cup in the dregs of the cup? Oh, God, spare me! And the Spirit of God got you all sober long enough to be able to quicken that CG inside of your heart and helped you to realize this organized religion is of the devil. Hallelujah! Oh, my. A golden censer in the hands of an angel of God represented the prayers of the saints. A golden cup in the hand of this woman represents her fornications and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Notice in verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written. Mystery Babylon. The Great. Now, again, this may seem unusual to you if you don't know the history of these time frames, but prostitutes would do this. They would write their names on their foreheads. And they would write their names on their house in several different places. So if you were looking for them, you know where to look. Not only on their house, but write their name on their forehead. They wanted you to know they were looking for business. Well come on now, don't sit there and look at me. They wanted you to know, so John sees her, and you imagine in his mind now, him being in this time frame, knowing the way the ill famed woman women did, and he looked at her and he just passed one on the street he just seen one day before yesterday or last week whenever it was and he saw them sitting here and there and there in the red quarters we'd say and he saw them women sitting there and he looks here and he sees a vision and then it's revealed to him this is Satan's church. And he must have been so overwhelmed. You mean she's like that? She is represented as an impure woman? Oh dear God. As the high priest had on his mitre, his crown, the name holiness unto the Lord. And he would have the names on the breastplate, the names on the body or the representation. Notice where the names were here on the chest, the girdle, the golden girdle, which is what John saw in Revelation 1. And the names on the forehead. Holiness unto the Lord. Is it any great wonder then. That the Bible tells us in the last days. That the saints of God that overcome. And arrive in that beautiful paradise of God. They will have his new name written. On their foreheads. Praise be to God. Oh praise the Lord Jesus. Now you see. The name follows the mystery. So. John saw it, and whenever he says this, notice the way he terms this. He said, upon her forehead was a name written, this is what he said, Mystery Babylon the Great. Mystery Babylon. But it's not the mystery of godliness. She hates that. She can't stand the idea of one God. So she had to cut him up in three. At the Nicaea Council, is that right? Her name is not the mystery of godliness, but it just so happens that as the bride we are, that you're part of deity. Praise the Lord. Not the mystery of godliness, but Mystery Babylon. And upon her forehead was a name written Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. So all of these things that stem out of this Roman church. Now, I'm not sure if you, how well you keep up with current events and history and things, but last month in Kazakhstan, many of the great religious leaders of the world were there. I just saw it yesterday and again today. Gathered in a great circle in Kazakhstan, there was the, all representatives of all the major religions of the world. But the three main religions that they were concerned with was Christianity, Islam, and of course Judaism. And as I saw that picture there and saw it on a video, and I saw the main man in the center of all of these hundreds of representatives that were there, the main man, which was the spokesman, which they all clapped to, which they all took pictures of, which they all nearly adored, guess who it was? Well, it wasn't me. And it wasn't Brother Tim Pruitt. It was the Pope. Now... They wanted to come together in a universal brotherhood and the three Abrahamic stems of religion. Notice their their dealings now. Now, you remember when Donald Trump was president, the Donald Trump done what many people had not been able to do, and that was bring the Jews and the Arabs together. Right? Abraham Accords. Well, they are following through in the same thing, except in a religious way. There was Arabs that would not even, uh, absolutely not even recognize Israel as a nation. But under those accords, which are still ongoing to this very day, they have now established some diplomats. Uh, They've actually opened up uh, flights for El Al, Israeli airline, going into some of these Arab places, and they're allowing Arab flights to come into Jerusalem or into Israel, rather. And under these accords, they found a commonality that they can be able to agree. Now, it's not on the theology of God. It's not on their ability to approach because the Arabs, of course, believe Ishmael was the promised son. He was the one that God told Abraham to offer. But the Jews believe, of course, it was Isaac. So they can't agree on that. But you know what they do agree on? They agree on this one thing that Abraham is all of our fathers. So whether you are a Christian, or whether you are a Jew, or whether you are a Muslim, all of our, our belief and all of that come from where? From Abraham. So we cannot agree on the Godhead. We cannot agree on this and that and that, but we can all agree we all come from one source. Now listen to me carefully. This is be part of the carriage by which the last day ecumenical move will come to a headstone, that we all believe in God. And that really, there's many ways to God. Now this is the direction they went in this great accord. Don't sit there and look at me, funny. I just heard him say it. They believed that now so you've got people that don't even believe in the Lord Jesus. you've got people that deny that He was even the Son of God. But yet what they believe is that we're all approaching the same God. We all have one Father, and we're all going to one place. And we're all trying to achieve the same thing. And diversity, actually God allows diversity as part of the terms. And God allows diversity in religion. And part of the bylaws that they signed on this was it would be against the law to try to convert one from one group to another. And after all, the Muslims that walk down streets of gold just like the Jews. And the Jews that walk down streets of gold just like the Christians. And we'll all get there together uh, because we're all striving for the same thing. Well, I hate to be a bearer of bad news. But if Jesus knew what he was talking about, and I certainly believe he did, he said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm one of them. He didn't say I'm one and Muhammad is another and the Sikhs are another and the Jains are another and the Buddhists are another and they were there. The Sikhs, the Jains, the Buddhists, all these were there. He did not say I'm one of the ways and just shoot you whichever way you want. But he said I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. So they're going to break ground in 2022. in Abu Dhabi, no, I didn't make that name up. <laughs> break ground in 2022 in Abu Dhabi and laid out in the form of a pyramid. They're going to build a Jewish synagogue. They're going to have a Christian church right over here and they're going to have a Muslim place of worship right over here laid out in the form of a pyramid. And there, no matter which one you are, everybody can come there and worship. You better get ready, church. Can you imagine? This would have never even been thought possible years ago. This would have, you'd never been able to even get them to sit down and talk together, much less to talk together and sign this agreement. Well, I didn't say one Holy Ghost filled man there. I mean, that was all them men and their big long deals and their little short deals. You've never seen so many different looks in all of your life. And yet all of them sitting there wanting to find a ground where we can believe we're all going to the same place and let's quit fighting and let's quit separating and let's quit this and that and that. Can't you see why the real bride's voice will be such a rebellious renegade? in the eyes of the world when they're saying, oh, let's just all love everybody. Let's just be tolerant. Don't you love the tolerance of the left? They are so tolerant to the left. But if you don't join the left, the left tolerance left you out. Why? Because they're only tolerant to those who are tolerant to them. And if you don't go along with them, you are left out. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm so glad I can't be left out because I'm part of the right group I ain't talking about right politically. I'm talking about Jesus Christ and his word. Well, we'll put you out. You can't put me out. You never put me in. Jesus Christ is what put us in. And the devil cannot put us out, nor his wife. so they come up with a new name crislam crislam John in verse 6 says I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus to see a woman drunk is shameful enough. But to see the intoxicating power that she's drunk by, the blood of martyrs of Jesus Christ. Now notice this is not Old Testament. This can only be New Testament. So John looks at it and he said, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered, with great admiration. Now, the English word is very tricky here. It would seem as if though the word that the translators chose to use was that John admired her. But the Greek word here that they used actually has several meanings. And one of them is wonder. So it wasn't that John looked at and said, wow, what a beautiful church. What a great thing. Man, this is really something. He did not admire her. In the sense that we would have admiration for someone or something. But he looked at such wonder and marvel that he just thought, how, how can this be? Who is this woman? And what is all going on? Because now remember, up to this time, John is still wondering in this stage of the vision. He's still wondering, who is this? Notice in Jeremiah 46.10. For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts. A day of vengeance. He may avenge him of his adversaries, and the sword shall devour. It shall be satiate and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. John looked at her, and she must have been moving around, setting on this power and acting like a drunk. Just not sensible, maybe gibberish coming out of our mouths. Hail Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now as we at the time of our departure. Amen. Saint Anthony, pray for this. Saint Cleopatra, pray for this, and Saint Jezebel. <laughs> that is part of their saint background. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah. One of the workers over at the new place that asked one of the brothers here about the saints, if they believed in the saints, said, Yeah, we believe in saints if you're alive. <laughs> oh my. I, I I'm glad I don't have to wait to be canonized by the Catholic Church, because they'd never canonized me. <laughs> French fry, maybe, popcorn me, uh filet me, you know, something like that. <laughs> And I saw the woman drunken with the blood. Oh, my. I was astonished at her appearance. I I, I marveled at her beauty, at her stately colors, yet her uncleanness and her filthiness. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? Now, the angel watches John, and he sees the expression on his face. I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life, from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. What a peculiar thing. Why didn't God just tell him that to begin with? Because God is God and he does it the way he wants to. So here he sees these seven hills. And they said horns. Daniel sees similar ones. And then the angel tells him, here's the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So here, the woman then is what? A city. But remember, Babylon also represented a woman and represented a kingdom and was a city. So a city can represent a woman. Oh, you say, come on now, Brother Donnie. No, don't you remember in the book of Revelation? And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. You see, the bride is represented by the city. Jesus said, "Are you are a city which is set on a hill which cannot be hid? On a hill, not seven. And there are seven kings. Now, notice this power in verse eight. The beast that thou sawest was and is not. Now it shows us a time that the beast will be in power." And then the power will be suppressed and is not. And was, it will come again. And is not repressed. And then will come again. So we see the rise and the fall. And we see one of the wounds that was on the beast that was healed. And he was healed of that deadly wound. And that was when the power shifted from pagan to papal. Oh my! Let me close with this: Revelation seventeen ten. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Now, if we compare those seven rulers, Julius Caesar, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, Nero. Domitian now it's a representation of the kings that would rise and fall one is one is not also it would type when it comes into the papal succession that one pope would be there he was he dies he is not then another he dies he is not another he dies and he is not and they keep going with what they call apostolic succession changing from one to the other to the other But you know what? Jesus don't believe in that. So aren't you glad you ain't got one Jesus for the resurrection and another Jesus for the mediatorial work and another Jesus to come back, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He don't go in that cycle of what he is and he is not. Well, he was the same, but he ain't right now. I'm so glad that he is the same right now because I need a Jesus that's a healer. I need a Jesus that's got power to keep us in the end time. I'm glad I'm not following such a kingdom. It is or it is not. My luck, I'd wind up my whole life would be the is not cycle and I'd never get nothing. Well, praise the Lord. Some of y'all be exactly the same way. But I'm glad whether I lived in the days of Noah, lived in the days of Luther, lived in the days of Pentecost, lived in the days of William Branham, or lived in the days of right now. He was and he still is. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will never change. Amen. Praise the Lord. let Everybody that understood every word I said in succession, raise your hand and say amen. Ah, good, good. That prods you to think. You say, oh, my goodness, I'll have to go back and listen to that again. Again, well, good. That's what you need to do. You see, how would you have felt if you went to the first grade and you finished the first grade and your mom and daddy, boy, they come to see you and you walked up there and your little whatever it was, you know, man, you was, I mean, you was something. They took pictures of you and everything. And here you come up there and you went home after school and you said, Mama, Daddy, this is so wonderful, but I'm afraid of second grade. I just want to stay in first grade and I'll be real comfortable because I know everything about the first grade. And then... Time come for you to, supposed to be in the third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. Some of y'all might let me be like Brother Fred said he was when he went to school. He just went for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> now, when y'all move from first grade to second grade, did they start telling you things you did not know? Really? You mean your school teacher did that to you? That's, that's absolutely wonderful. Well, what about when you went to the third grade? What about when you graduated from high school and you became a freshman in college? Did they start talking to you of first grade stuff, second grade stuff where you was comfortable with it? What did they do? They talked over your head. They talked beyond your understanding. Why? To pull you up. To help you. If you want a preacher that never preaches you no higher than first grade, friend, you need the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, shame on you tonight. This was my way when I went to China. Brother Murphy and myself and we'd go into a city. And the first things I do have questions and answers. I tell Brother Murphy, Brother Murphy, we've only got two days here, three days, whatever it is. I want to find out where these people are. If they're here, I don't want to preach here. If they're here, I don't want to preach here. What I found was some of them were struggling with the God-centered prophets. You know, they come out from under the rain of towels, so all the women wore breeches, they all dressed alike, they looked alike, men looked alike, women, they all looked the same. So many of them were still struggling with pants and struggling with this and that and the other. So each place I found it different. So I would do question answers, and then after I found out where they were, I would go from there. Now in some of them, it was amazing, some of them I preached to people in China, which had only been in the message a few years some of the same stuff I was preaching to you all at Happy Valley on exactly the same level. But others of them, I had to go all the way back on water baptism and the Godhead and this and that because they were still struggling with the Godhead. Matter of fact, Brother Bisco listened to that service and he said, when I seen the direction Brother Donnie was going with that Godhead, I got to feeling sorry for the devil. (laughs) Now, you know me well enough, no, I can't do that, but it was the Holy Ghost. You know how the Holy Ghost can do them, and he we've got the answer to the devil's question. I'm not sure what the question is, but all I know is we've got the answer. So whatever he asks from one time to another, we got the answer. So the Spirit of God knows how, and I told Brother Murphy, Brother Murphy, this is what we want to do. We want to find where they are, and then we want to get a little bit above them and preach to them and help them to see there's more. Come on in. Come on in, it's swimming water. Remember the prophet Ezekiel when he got into the water and he stepped out and it's just so deep and then he stepped out a little more and he stepped out a little bit more. Well, a lot of folks, they're just still playing around the bank and they've got the water around their ankles. They're just shouting, jumping up and down, glory to God, hallelujah. They're as wet as a dog, but they ain't been nowhere. They're just right there. That's as far as they've been. But he said, come on out a little farther and it's swimming water. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you said, Brother Donnie, most of this, what you preached on, ain't gotten done through this. Oh, it does. It reminds you how blessed you are. It reminds you tonight, you're not drinking from that cup. You're drinking from another. You're not eating from her table. You're eating from his table. You were part of that, but you ain't part of that no more. It ought to make us so happy. It ought to make us so grateful. Now, don't look down your nose on nobody that's in that system. As a matter of fact, God might use your light, to shine a little bit on somebody. God might have a seed that's going right up. My, I've stood in some of those places I've told you before, several years ago when we was in Mexico City, there Brother George Smith and a little woman come up through there, had a candle in her hand going up to pray and going all that and nearly caught Carol's hair on fire. We went up to this place up someplace where they went up there to worship some saint. Them people had started at the bottom of that hill, climbing up them stone steps. There was a trail of blood where them women would get down on their knees, crawling on their bare knees up to that to do penance, to ask God to forgive them for this and that and the other. Heartbreaking. I stood right there and watched that priest before thousands and thousands of those Spanish people as he would stand there and pray and convince the people he had changed that wine and bread to the literal body of Jesus Christ. And watch them little people come up there and take that as if though it was the literal body of the Lord Jesus. Thank God for his mercy. Can't you see why God looked at that and said that is fornication. That is filthy. Here we've sat tonight feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. Don't you love him with all your heart? We see what she had in her hand. I ask you, what have you got in yours? We see what she was clothed with. We see the symbols of the collar. What are you wearing tonight? Well, I can tell you if you don't know. You're dressed in white if you're the bride of Jesus Christ. Blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And his wife has made herself ready. What she called then, not scarlet and purple, but fine linen. Clean and white. We've got a cup in our hand too. We're acting kind of drunk as well. But a stimulation of revelation. Praise the Lord Jesus. Can we just worship him a little bit together? Oh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Lord Jesus. We so love you tonight, Father. Even though I was never in an organized system, yet I was so blind, Father. I think back from time to time of the blindness that I was in, and it makes my heart so grateful. Not arrogant, proud, stuffed shirt, as it were, but so thankful for the evening light. Where would I be, Lord, if it wasn't for your mercy? Where would we all be tonight was it not for your grace? No doubt drunk because many of these people here had a religious drawing on their heart before the truth ever came across their path. They wound up here and there and somewhere else but something kept pulling. Something kept drawing. Oh, thank you, Lord. At one time, some of them were seated right on that scarlet-colored beast And they were drunk with a cup from that organized religion. But tonight they sat on another beast. It's a camel train packing Rebecca back into the presence of her Isaac. We're on a power too, but it ain't scarlet. It ain't one of worldly beauty. It may look like it's not much, it's an old camel, as it were. It's the same camel that Peter rode. Paul, 120 of them jumped on its back on the day of Pentecost and it carried him up into heavenly places. They were laughed at, ridiculed, made fun of. It was the same thing that fell on Luther. It was the same thing that fell here in America on Azusa Street. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's outdated. It's not modern. It's not all polished and newfangled. dangled. It's the old-fashioned, Holy Ghost-filled. Praise God. But we're not ashamed to come up on top of this beast tonight, Lord God, and ride it all the way to the streets of gold. Hallelujah. Lord, we love it so much, we want our children to have the same experience. We don't want them to have an intellectual conception. We're not ashamed of our Holy Ghost. We're not ashamed if it moves on us every now and then and we go to hooping and hollering and worshiping a little bit, Lord. We're not ashamed to say we still feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, it's outdated. It's not wanted anymore. Even many of our message people don't even want it. They want an intellectual preacher that'll stand there and just quote quotes and quote scriptures and preach them to sleep. Lord God, we want a gospel preach that'll change our lives. Make us like that original church, Lord God, I pray. Help us, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you tonight, Lord God. We are here tonight, Father, with our cup raised. And we're saying, here's my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. We don't want abominations in it. We don't want drunkenness of the world, but fill us with love and mercy and forgiveness and kindness. Oh, won't you grant it, Lord Jesus? We worship you, Father. We bless your name tonight, Lord God. Can we just take a few minutes before we go just to be able to worship him a little bit? Oh, Jesus, we bless your name sing sit for a let's just worship him just a little bit now you've got a few minutes before we go hallelujah hallelujah we worship you sweet Jesus we bless As your I
0: name to your presence pass the gates of praise. Yes, Lord. Into your sanctuary, to your sanctuary Father. You stand face to face. Look upon your countenance. I see the glory of your face. I can only bow down.
1: Mighty God. Let's
0: worship Him now. You are awesome in this place, Abba, Father. You are worthy of all praise. To You our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place,
1: my God. Thank you, Lord,
0: God. this place Oh, hallelujah, Lord Jesus. You are awesome in this place. I'm a father. You are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. Thank you, Lord. You are awesome in Thank you, Lord. Almighty God. All this loving saints. You are
1: awesome You need healing? He's your healer tonight. You need deliverance? He's your deliverer, whatever you need. Awesome in this place. i have a
0: father. You are awesome you.
1: This Hallelujah. Everybody.
0: Oh, you are awesome in this place, My
1: Right, sure, Lord. We need you. We need strength. You are awesome in this place, Mighty
0: God. You are awesome in this place, I Father. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you, Jesus. We worship you tonight, Lord God. We bless your name, Lord Jesus.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place. I have a
1: i you To you, i God bless you, land. saints. Love you, and the Lord. I you are.
0: sing This little chorus tonight as we go, amen. Come back Sunday morning, 11, believing, expecting, amen. For the Lord to move again in a mighty way. Let's just sing this little chorus tonight as you go. Oh, I will praise the Lord.